Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I am Hal Elrod, your host, your friend. On today's journey, this conversation with Ray Higdon exceeded my expectations. Ray and I have only known each other in kind of in passing. And he wrote the foreword for the Miracle Morning for Network Marketers. And so we connected on that, but we never really got any time together until today. It was our first real in-depth conversation. It exceeded my expectations in terms of who he is. And I think you're going to get that in the first few minutes when he kind of shares his story and his childhood and kind of how he came to become who he is today. And and then when you hear throughout the message today, not only what he teaches, but the spirit in which it comes from, the spirit of service, of wanting to help others. So anyway, I really enjoyed this conversation more than I had expected. Not that I had any negative expectations, but I just, again, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. So you're about to hear this conversation with Ray. He has a new book out, which is actually why I reached out to him. He sent me a copy of his book, and which is a smart thing to do as an author. You send your book and then it's kind of like fishing, right? Like a little bit of bait. And if the person that receives the book, if they read it or start to read it, then you get interested. I thought, wow, I started, I'm, you know, halfway through the book and I reached out to Ray. I said, Hey, I really want you on the show. This is a really, it's a good book. And For anybody that wants more time, more money, more freedom, which I think that's a lot of us, if not most of us, this book, you'll hear me talk about why I love the book, but it's so simple. I mean, it's so step by step holding your hand from start to finish everything that you need to do. So anyway, that's what I love about the book. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Before we dive into the conversation that you're about to hear, I do want to just take a minute to thank our sponsor, Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. I don't know why I always spell that. I think it's because <laughs> for a long time in my head, I always pictured Organifi ending with a Y, but it ends with an I. So anyway, Organifi, if you are not familiar, if you don't listen to the podcast, they've been our sponsor for a while, but they make some of the highest quality nutritional supplements on the planet. So organic whole food supplements, unlike 90 plus percent, the majority of supplements that you buy on Amazon or at GNC, not that you can't find whole food supplements, but the majority are, they're synthetic. And you know things like ascorbic acid to create a vitamin C synthetic, that's not real vitamin C from nature. You know, you want to get that from acerola cherry and kamu kamu, I believe is the other herb that Organifi uses. So anyway, if you want to boost your health, your nutrition, you want to lose weight, you want more energy, you want more mental clarity, I take Organifi every single day. I take multiple supplements that they make, their green juice, their red juice, their protein powder especially is one of my favorites in my smoothies. So uh, yeah, and you can get a discount. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Hal, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal, Organifi.com forward slash Hal, and use the code H-A-L at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. And yeah, love their products, love their company, love their culture, love the mission that they're on. And uh, I hope you find something on their website, Organifi.com forward slash Hal, 
that you love as much as I do. And uh, be sure to use that code HALHAL at the checkout and get 15% off your entire order. All right, without further ado, my conversation with someone who I am a big fan of now more than ever, Ray Higdon. Ray, my friend, good to see you again. Hey, thanks for having me. So you sent me a copy of your book and I was reading it and I, I was like, hey, I want you to come talk about this. And that doesn't always happen where I will bring an author on, obviously, to talk about or often to talk about their expertise. But this book specifically was one where I went, I just feel like this is going to benefit a lot of my listeners. Mm. And so right, the book, Time, Money, Freedom, 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. And I'll tell you, well, we'll get into the book in a second. I want to talk about, you know, you open up in the book, you're open, you're vulnerable right in the beginning about your kind of your rough start to your life. You know, you had an abusive childhood. You use the word tumultuous young adulthood, which I think I think defines it pretty well. And I want to read something that you said in the book. You said, anyone who's gone through trauma in their life can turn that into something meaningful. Don't bottle up those painful feelings and memories. Use them to make a difference in your life and in other people's lives. You can help others because you know what they've gone through and the empathy that you understand and can bring is something those who have not gone through what you could, that what you have could ever provide. I resonate with that so much. I feel like the greatest gift often that we can have in our life are our biggest hardships, our greatest tragedy, our greatest trauma. So I wanted to ask, what was that trauma for you and how have you been able to use that to help you, help your life and help other people? Yeah. So my, um, you know, my parents separated when I was very, very young. I think I was two or three, maybe. And, you know, my mom wasn't really able to care for me back then. And I went to live with my dad and he had remarried and uh, the person he had remarried just, you know, looking back was someone that really struggled with personal relationships, didn't have a lot of friends. In fact, I don't think I ever met a friend of, of hers. And, and I suspect she was, you know, maybe picked on or something like that, but she took it out on me. I was the punching bag. Mm. And so... And li- um, literally, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember, you know, going to kindergarten with a bloody nose you know, being instructed to tell people I ran into a door. I remember later, after, you know, probably second and third grade, where, you know, there were many, many times, even in the summer, where I was have to wear a turtleneck sweater because I had claw marks all on my neck. Jeez. And she just really hated, hated me. And I think hated herself too. Mm. And, uh, and took it out on me. And so, you know, it was, I actually, you know, to this day, I, I still, can get into this pattern of, you know, I used to always sleep in a ball because it gave me a split second when she would wake me up because she would always wake me up every single morning by grabbing my ankles and throwing me against the closet and stomping me. And that Jeez. happened all the way up until about the age of 12. Wow. Well, and what happened at 12? What changed that? So at 12, the kind of court order or mandate or whatever allowed me to choose uh, who I wanted to live with. Mm. And by that time, my mom had, you know, gotten her stuff together and, you know, was able to provide for me. And so I, I went and lived with my mom. And uh, that's when I came down to, to Florida. Wow. And what parts of that experience 
do you think you carry with you today, both, you know, both negative and positive? What mentioning that trauma is an opportunity to help yourself and help other people, like what did that experience do for you? How did that serve you? Yeah. So there's really, you know, I think there's three facets to it. One is it, it gave me uh, a real heart for helping kids in need. You know, like the last few years, we've raised over $600,000 for different charities all revolving around, you know, kids in some way, shape or form. It just has me always wanting to do things, you know, to improve, you know, mainly kids situations. It's also allowed me to share my, my stories and have people, you know, resonate with that and see me as someone who has been able to build a, you know, multi-million dollar business, eight, 5,000 business, be a best-selling author, et cetera. So I think it, you know, or I've been told and I, you know, I see it that I've given hope to a lot of people that have been through tough times. And I've met many people that went through much tougher times than, you know, me. You know, we share some of those stories in, in the book. And the third interesting angle is it's allowed me to do different kind of internal work. And, and I share several examples in the book too, but I'll, but I'll give one. So I have always had social anxiety where like I may go, you know, I, I remember speaking in front of 20,000 people in Louisville a couple of years ago, getting off stage. Everyone wants to hang out and chat. I find a reason to go to my room. Yeah. And, you know, that gets that over the years, I believe got misconstrued as, oh, diva or ego or, oh, too good for us, huh? And really, it was just such a deep, it was a self worth issue. It was a social anxiety thing, but I really didn't know the cause. And in chapter two, I talk about pluck your weeds. So, Jess and my wife, Jess and I, we were at a charity event. And uh, one of our neighbors comes up and says, uh, hey, did you see the trip to Belize? And, and I was like, no, you know, no. And uh, they're like, oh, man, it looks amazing. It's, you know, it's a five days. It's a private island, private yacht, private jet, private chef, five couples only. It's amazing. And my wife is like, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> and, and me, it sounded like hell. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it just it made me like, like I just got this like uh, – Tightness, like I'm like that sounds like utter hell to me, and I didn't voice that because everyone is so like, yay, it's awesome. And but I remember it going on the way home, and I'm like, you know, what the hell's wrong with me? You know, uh, I want to be a good husband. I want to be, you know, my wife is amazing in every single way, and here I am, this fuddy duddy that doesn't want to do a Belize trip. Like yeah. that's crazy. And so I I did the work, and so you know I worked with. I worked on myself. I did meditation. I actually worked with a hypnotist. And it actually, I found the root problem and which I can now recognize in others often a similar kind of pattern is when I was in the third grade, my teacher knew that something was off and had me start meeting with the guidance counselor. And so the guidance counselor, and I didn't really know it's third grade. I don't know what's going on. And the guidance counselor started asking me about home and different things. And I never had anyone to talk to. So I wasn't allowed to go to friends' houses. I wasn't allowed to have friends over. When I was home from school, I had to stay outside and play by myself and, you know, until it was nighttime and then, you know, come in. And, and so I never got to talk to anybody really outside of school. And so this was interesting. And I opened up, I started sharing my different stories and, and it felt good. And, but one day I show up for our meeting. My dad's there, my stepmom's there. 
And the guidance counselor proceeds to tell them everything I've ever told her hmm. because she thought they were just outrageous. She thought the stories were so crazy that I had to be making them up for attention. Wow. And so she thought she was helping me. And of course, I didn't think that at the time. But looking back, she was actually trying to help, but she didn't at all. And that was the day in third grade that I stopped trusting anybody. Mm. And so when you don't trust anybody, you don't allow them to get close, mm. right? So you keep a social barrier and you prevent people from ever getting on the inside because if they get on the inside, history proves they'll hurt you. And so I've had, I don't know how many you know relationships over the years where I just wouldn't let people in. And, and I did, if they don't get close to me, I don't have to trust them. They can't hurt me. They can do the worst to me. Won't affect me. Yeah. And and so that has really diminished the quality of my life and connections and relationships over the you know many years. And so plucking that weed and figuring that out has allowed me to to almost eradicate my social anxiety and allow people in. And you know what? They may still betray you, but that would be their loss. Not let's not even go there because we might lose. Yeah. It's also, yeah, they might betray you, but it's a small price to pay for the freedom that you've, it sounds like you've given yourself, right? Right. Yeah. A absolutely. Yeah. And so like, there's so many people that get mislabeled as, oh, they're this way. Well, there's a reason they're this way. There's yeah. a reason something happened that caused them to make a shift toward being that way. And doing that internal work has allowed me to help unlock that in others. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, I always say that we, we really have no basis to judge another human being because we're judging on our own life experience and we have no idea what it's like to be them or what they've been through. Right. And if, you know, and you judge someone based on their words or actions, but it goes, well, if you had lived their life, you, you may be and do and the exact same things, right? So, you know, trade in that judgment for empathy and really a striving to understand. Wow, powerful story, and I'm uh, I'm just I'm grateful that you've taken your tragedy, turned it into a triumph, not only for yourself but for your family and and for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that that you serve. I do have to mention, by the way, we're on video, you and I, right now. And uh, for anybody listening, I want to I just want to call out your shirt: default setting colon gratitude. I love that. I, I got to find that shirt. Default we, setting we gratitude. Make it. <laughs> I'll what send you, you one. <laughs> What'd you say? This is our shirt. Well, I'll send oh, you one. All right. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Right, so let's, I want to talk about the book. So again, the, the title, Time, Money, Freedom, Things That I Think Most People Want More Of, right? Yeah. Uh, 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. I'm going to tell you what I love about this book. It is you give people exactly what to, like you're holding our hand step by step, rule by rule, exactly what to do. Not to mention the mindset and the challenges we might have while we're reading the book. I love this, not to talk about my book here, but the, the point being Miracle Morning, the reason I think that it's helped people so much is I didn't just talk high level. I think a lot of authors do that, where they right. go, you know, they talk high level and general concepts that blow your mind, but don't exactly tell you what to do, in what order, at what time. And that's what I loved about your book is you broke it. If somebody, this is like, this is the one-stop shop manual kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to free up more time, uh, create more money and ultimately more freedom, you, again, you gave people the step-by-step -step blueprint. So I want to start with just why did you write this book? What was the motivation? I mean, you know, you've had this knowledge in your head, you've coached people on this kind of stuff, like, but why'd you write the book and why now? 
Yeah. And first I want to acknowledge, thank you for sharing your, you know, what you love about it from coaching a lot of people, getting to their level and helping, helping anyone at any level be able to move forward is, is definitely such a, such a powerful muscle to, to build, you know, not how you process it, but how do people that don't have your experiences process it or your influence or your knowledge process it so that it, it is written in the way of you do not need any business knowledge to follow what's in, in the book. Yeah. The reason we wrote it is, you know, and, and you know, we actually, you know, we started this process, you know, how writing a book goes. We started this process before the pandemic, before COVID. And then as it starts coming out, it was just like, man, the world, you know, we, we see it as the world really needs this more than ever before. Yeah. Over the years, we've had people ask us, how'd you guys do it? You know, how did you go from someone who had lost it all in real estate was in, you know, I was in personal foreclosure, dead broke over a million dollars in debt, depressed, went through a divorce and, and really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Jess was working at the makeup counter, you know, being belittled by her manager and, and just not, you know, not enjoying that part of her career. And, you know, how do, how do we do that? How do we go from that to, to building a multi-million dollar business from home? And, and so we wanted to share that. First, we reverse engineered, you know, what did we do? And, and then we, you know, put it on paper and, and really wanted to give the instructions of how anybody could do it. So it's really, you know, we wrote it to, to get this into a process to be able to hand to somebody if they want to improve their finances and relationships that they can read this book and, and walk through the action steps. Why now? You know, we didn't, we thought it was needed, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, it's, re- we feel it's really needed now. And, yeah. and so, you know, we just have a passion of how can we impact more people? And, and I say that I probably say it a little bit differently than most impacting people and helping people gives me significance. So I actually pursue it selfishly, hmm. not selflessly. I actually yeah. don't selflessly is thrown around way too much. The guy jumping on the grenade to save a squad, that's selfless. <laughs> the, you know, the police officer rushing into the domestic abuse situation, that could be selfless. Me helping people is not selfish or selfless. It's selfish because yeah. it makes me feel good. Now, it happens to impact others, yeah. which, you know, society, you know, gives a, a nod to. But I actually do it because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel significant because most of my life, I didn't feel significant. Most of my life, I, I didn't feel like a winner. I felt like a loser. And, and that's how I was, that's, you know, that's what I was told, you know, all my childhood that I was a loser. And, and so I, you know, we want to impact as many people as possible and we wanted to make it as simple as possible. And that's why we made this book. I love that. Thank you for that authenticity in terms of, you know, I do this because it makes me feel good and feel significant. And I didn't feel that growing up, you know, uh, I think that level of authenticity is, is, uh, is rare and I really appreciate it. I think that it is, you can be selfishly selfless. Right. You know, I think that both can kind of coexist where you go, yeah, I'm doing this because I, it makes me feel good and it helps people like, whoa, bone, you know, like, and whichever one is first in terms of your motive, I don't know how consequential that is if they're both there, you know, right? Because the result is good. Yeah. You can be selfishly selfish, which is like, I'm going to steal from you. You're not winning, but I am there. And I feel significant, right? I can take your life. I feel significant, right? right? But, 
that's not a win-win. And, and like the, what you're right. talking about, it's, you know, I call that selfishly selfless and that it's a win-win. It's you're, you're doing something that benefits you simultaneously while it benefits other people. So yeah. uh, I, I love that. Let's dive into the book a little bit. So I know that you, you kind of frame there are three major takeaways from the book and let's start there. What are the three takeaways for you that anybody that's going to read this book, you know, can look forward to? One is, and you, you've kind of, um, you've, played around with the, the concept, but one, one is that you can have, um, you can create a great life despite a bad past. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two, you can inspire people by sharing what you overcame and what you survived. And number three is with more money, you can do more good. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a message that often gets, uh, garbled also often gets lost. And, you know, the example, the, what we're using to back this up is you can only give so much time at the soup kitchen. You can only, and, and that, that is awesome time. That's great time, right? Yeah. It makes you feel good. You should do it. Um, but, um, you know, with more capital, with more resources, you can build the wing on the hospital. You can put together the, you know, the eye doctors for the children's, you know, there's not, the world needs more of those actually. And, uh, you can build the water wells in Kenya, the schools in Guatemala, the abuse centers in downtown. You can, you can do those things. And so, yeah. We want to help people understand that, that just, you know, having more money doesn't make you bad. It gives you the ability to do more good. And a lot of people, they're, they want to make more money, but they got one foot on the brake because mm-hmm. they think that it's evil and bad. And that's what the media or politicians have told them. And so we want to say, Hey, money just, you know, like many have said, it is a magnifier, makes you more of who you are. Yeah. If you're someone that wants to do good, if you're someone that wants to impact, you know, people, then you should have more money. That would actually be a better thing. Yeah. You have more ability, more resources. Yeah. I've heard that. The grand magnifier. If you are a jerk, more money will make you a bigger jerk. <laughs> That's correct. But Absolutely. if you are generous, more money will give you you know, opportunities to be even, even more generous. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Now, so let's go from, so those are three great takeaways, the 10 rules that are in the book. We don't have time to go through all 10, but uh, is there any one that stands out either as the most important or maybe one that precedes the others so that we should consider it first, you know, the lead domino, if you will? Yeah. So we did our very best to, to put them in order. The one we've gotten the most feedback on is the pluck your weeds uh, mm-hmm. rule number two, which uh, since I've already given a story around that, yeah. pluck your weeds, just to sum it up, is you identify any area of your life that is incongruent with who you want to be. Mm. And that could be as as um, minor as, uh, you know, we were taking our daughter to school 45 minutes one way, 45 minutes back. And, uh, and we're like, man, we don't want to spend our time all, all day, every day driving around. It's like, let's just sell our house and move closer. Yeah, we did the same so, thing. Yeah, I love it. It could it could be something like as trivial as that. It could be something as as deep and complex as digging into why do I have social anxiety problems, right? And, and so I gave that example. So I'll give you a different example, which is rule number ten, and it's uh, rule number ten is make an impact. This is a really important one because if you really embody and follow the rules, you will learn ways to start making enough money, whatever that means to you. To some people, if they're making six figures, they're high on the hog and that's, yeah. you know, bada bing, we're making it rain. Some people, that's a million, some 10, 50, you know, whatever. And so the, mo- the what's so important about rule number 10, make an impact, is that it allows you to continue going no matter what income you hit. And, yes. you know, 
two weeks ago, maybe I was sitting with someone who was a had been a financial planner for you know 25, 30 years, has generated over hundred million dollars in you know in her her own revenue, and she can buy what she wants, right? She can buy. She has four houses. She's got a bunch of cars. She's got the diamonds and the this and the that. Yeah, yeah. And and she just got to a point where I was like, eh, what's the point? Like, uh, is there anything else to life here? And and so she had to learn, you know, how how do I start feeling better about what I'm doing for the world? And and then you can really blow the lid off, right? So for me, it's while there's blood pumping through the veins, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep. I don't desire retirement. I, that doesn't compute. I love sure. what I do. I love making an impact. And one person that that really embodies rule number ten, and it's it's a you know kind of one of our key stories in there is a, a lady named Renee Adams. So we ran a uh, two seasons of a reality show, and she was in uh, season one. And Renee had never done a video, never publicly spoke, and had never shared her story ever to anybody, even her family. Well, it turns out, you know, the you know the magic of you know what we put together with the show. She opened up and she shared her story of physical abuse, of sexual abuse, even being trafficked. And, you know, not, you know, obviously you don't wish that on anybody. I mean, that's, that's a very, very tough place to come from. And a lot of people that have that kind of background, they either don't make it, uh, either by suicide or, you know, they get killed. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, after giving her love and condolences and, and all that, you know, I, I told her, like I've told many people over the years, hey, man, if you can share your story and if you can give hope to people of what you overcame and what you survived, man, that would really be powerful. And again, had never shared her story, never videoed, never publicly spoke. Two weeks later, she was speaking at women's abuse centers. And then about three months ago, she spoke at the uh, 17th annual international conference against human trafficking. And she shared with the University of Toledo and she shared her story in front of 19 countries. Wow. And so and that the, all of this was within a year, year and a half, maybe of of going from no one on the planet knows, not even my family to 19 countries tuning in at this humongous international event. And so we just encourage people that you know whatever you went through, whether it's I didn't get approval from my father or you did go through abuse or, or, or trauma. Uh, you have the potential, if you're willing to be vulnerable, you have the potential to really inspire and help people. And by doing so, it can give you a big purpose. Hmm. And, and I'll tell you one of the things that I didn't recognize at the time, but looking back, it was a turning point for my career is I had been asked to, to go up to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And, and give a, a presentation. I was building at the time, I was building a network marketing organization. And I give my presentation. And afterwards, I had this big just feeling to share the story about me and my dad. And so at that point, you know, just a, a year earlier, I hadn't talked to my dad in 13 years. He had never met my sons, who at that time were nine and 10 years old. And, you know, and for obvious reasons, right? I had every reason in the world not to talk to him. But it was weighing on my heart and I didn't like it that I hadn't. And so in that meeting uh, in 2010, I shared that story of how I went and repaired the relationship and forgave. And within two weeks, my entire world changed. I found an opportunity. It totally changed my life. And, and I shared that. 
immediately when I finished, the guy who'd asked me to come and speak, who didn't know that story because I'd never shared it, sure. came walking up to me, tears running down his face, and he said, I can't believe you shared that story. Tomorrow, or I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. Tomorrow, I fly out for his funeral. Wow. And it was just like, you know, it just like hit me. And first, I beat myself up and said, you know, why didn't I share that earlier, right? Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I need to be more vulnerable. I need to not be the Superman. I need to be authentic. I need to be able to share what I went through to inspire others. And since I've shared that story, I have probably a hundred emails, messages, letters of people who've reconnected with their mother, their father, their brother, their sister, you know, kids even. And so, you know, it's just uh, making an impact is something that there is no, okay, I've made enough impact. It's something that can keep you going. Yeah. There's, I think that success in people's mind is usually associated to monetary gain, you know, and status and having the the things, having the home, having the car. Uh, I was talking to my my daughter about this the other day. I said, "Sweetheart, how do you, what do you think of success?" and she gave some sort of definition kind of like that. And although we've had this conversation with her before, so I don't know, I don't know why she's still saying that, but again, society's conditioning is damn strong, right? Societal right. programming. But uh I said, "Sweetie, I said think about it." I said, how if somebody makes a bunch of money and then they just hoard it and they spend it all i go does that i go when they die does anybody really care you know i go i just said what if you measured success by how many people you positively impacted and if money's part of that great i said but but isn't that a what do you think don't you think and i you know i asked her i didn't tell her right i said don't you think what do you think of that as a measure of success and you know and she nodded her head and all we'll see what happens when i ask her next week but i just think that like i really think that it, what if we all redefine success that way where success is how many lives i impact and to your point ray right the more money you make the more resources you have to impact more lives so the beauty is it's not one or the other right. in fact it, it kind of is one and the like you kind of got to go together or if you're str struggling financially it's going to be hard to put your energy on service when you're just trying to survive, right? Absolutely. And so I love that you've made that distinction and and that uh, you know, that I love that you're a leader because and I love that you wrote this book because you're you know, you're going to pay it forward, I think, and you're going to create that mindset of service in a lot of other people. One other thing I wanted to ask you before we close out today is about your what you talked about in the book, your why and your vision. And one thing you wrote, and I, I think I don't think you made this up. Maybe you did. I think it was from someone else, but I had never heard it before. You said you have to have a why that makes you cry, and I resonate with that. You know, I was I was uh, I was in an interview yesterday, and they were asking me about my cancer journey, and I was explaining yeah. my affirmations, and it was like I had five whys that I was going to beat cancer. It was for my wife because I promised her forever and a day. It was for my mom because she didn't deserve to lose another child. It was for my dad because he gave up everything to save my life. It was for my kids because they needed my love, leadership, and guidance. It was for myself, right? I had these really compelling whys, and most of them, there were actually six of them. Five of them were about other people. One was about me, right? But the point is, when I, there were many days when I didn't have a will to live, and I was in so much pain, and I was so sick, and I felt so horrible, and I was so exhausted, and things weren't looking good that I'm like, I'm just, God, take me, take, right? But it was that why was the fuel that drove me to do whatever it took, no matter how I felt, to live that purpose of serving other people. So 
So that's and then I would cry when I read those affirmations, right? So that's why that really that just that that hit me when you said a why have a why that makes you cry, and even if it's not around some sort of beating cancer, right? But it's just it's your business. Sure. Like I want to change the world. I want to support my family. I want to allow my my spouse to not have to work. I want to be able to give my kids, you know, fund their college, whatever it is, right? Just having a why that is so meaningful to you, you're willing to do whatever it takes. So. You said though, and this is where I want to—I want you to clarify because I, I hadn't heard it put sure. this way before. Having a clearly defined why isn't enough. Yes, that you need to move from your why to your vision, and the way you define vision in the book is different than I'd heard before. So, can you explain that? How do you how do you define a person's vision? Yeah, and I, I definitely did not make up the got to have a why that makes. Sure. <laughs> I don't know who did. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those, right? One of those out in the ether. Yeah, yeah, and so. Here's why I wrote that right there that you're, and I love that you picked that up because that's a, that's a really core thing. Over the years, I've, I've met people at conferences, at seminars, et cetera. And they, uh, a lot of people come up and say, I really want to retire my husband. I, I really want to, you know, help the kids. I really want to, and often they have a compelling why, a, a why that is powerful that you, you know, gets buy-in. And the problem is a lot of times I see those same people five years later with the same whys and they haven't progressed toward them. And so what I believe is, is more powerful is having a vision of who you want to become and a vision of who you want to become, which I believe is what you actually did without knowing it is you became the person that accomplished those whys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and in, in it, cause it's very different. See, some people they'll, they'll say, I really want to, you know, help the kids. And so it's always 100% commercially digestible, meaning the ears that hear that you expressing your why are like, oh man, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. really awesome. And so the problem is you can get high off of false supply. Yeah. And so you can tell someone, I really want to help the kids. Oh, people like that. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Get high on your why. Sure. <laughs> Even though you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Right. You haven't actually helped the kids yet. And, yeah. and so, you know, you can get high off that supply when it's a, Here's the vision of who I'm going to become that will accomplish these whys. It's a little different. You start asking yourself, well, well, how would that person show up, mm, right? Versus yeah. here's what I'm going to do over here, right? This external thing. And so the vision of who you want to become. And one of my my favorite quotes uh, that we you know we have in there is from the Dr. Reverend Michael Beckwith: "Pain pushes you until a vision pulls you." Mm. So when you have a compelling vision of who you want to become. It's uh, if you can work on that enough, it can become a ruthless dictator that doesn't care how you feel, that doesn't care if it's raining outside, that doesn't care what obstacles are in front of you or what you've been dealing with in your past or your present. It can pull you into becoming that person to accomplish all those whys. And so that's why we see that different because one of the rules is turn your why into a vision and, and why that's so important. Yeah. And I think that having that vision is, it's different. Most people think of a vision as the outcome that they want, right? I mean, and I guess this is in a way it's an outcome, but, but you. you know, yeah, it's, it's your, it's your personal outcome, but most people it's the, it's the, it's the result, right? It's the million dollars. It's the hundred million dollar, it's whatever. It's, it's some sort of tangible, measurable outcome. That's their vision. And they, I'm, I'm working toward that. I, you know, I think what I love about this, and again, it's a distinction. I, it's just a nuanced distinction. I hadn't really heard before, but I love it because you don't get to that vision, that vision down the road of that thing you want in your life until you first embody the vision of who you need to become to get to that thing. 
So I love that. I think that I think you're putting it. It's a much more practical vision, and you get to back test it every day. Am I living in alignment with that vision today? Did I live in alignment with the vision of who I need to be, what I need to do to become the person that's able to create X, Y, and Z, and live the life of my dreams? And yeah, exactly. so absolutely love that. I mean, I could talk to you all day, but uh, I know we both got some some time commitments here. Where do people get the book, Time, Money, Freedom? Where's the best place to pick this up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have uh, a really simple website, tmfbook.com. Nice. Stands for Time, Money, Freedom, tmfbook.com. On it, we have, because sometimes when people hear what it's about, they, they're thinking of others, they would like to get them, you know, the book in their hands or... Yeah. They have a sales team or if they have a you know organization they work with so you can just you know the link to amazon and the audible and the kindle and everything is on there or there's also bulk discounts if someone wants more than one yeah i would say for any especially any business audience i mean you know if you have a sales team or i think this is this is a great fit well hey brother any any last uh, any parting words before we wrap up and say say goodbye no, I just, I appreciate uh, how you show up and I appreciate all you've done for society and, and, you know, for me and having me on here is, is a great blessing and honor. Awesome, Ray. Well, I, I appreciate you and I, and I appreciate how you show up, man. I appreciate the vision that you created for yourself uh, was a great one because how you live and how you serve others uh, is pretty remarkable. I appreciate well, it. Goal Achievers, the book is Time, Money, Freedom. 10 simple rules to redefine what's possible and radically reshape your life. If you are at any point in your life where you want to reshape it, you want to create more time, more money, more freedom, I highly recommend this. The site is tmfbook.com, time, money, freedom, tmfbook.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and got as much value. And I'm halfway through the book, so I'm getting a ton more value. And I love you all. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in today. And until next time, go out there and achieve your goals. And I'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 